0: Dr. Charlie Ortiz is now director of the AI and Natural Language Processing Lab for Nuance Communications. Uh, his PhD in computer science is from my own alma mater at the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, and then he, he then spent 13 years at SRI, working uh, in the artificial intelligence domain uh, with big projects with DARPA, uh, collaborations with Harvard University and more. In this particular episode in the Tech Emergence podcast, we were actually at Nuance Communications in their Sunnyvale office here in Silicon Valley uh, to talk about what Charlie sees as some of the most important developments in NLP or natural language processing. What has brought us to where we are today with that technology and where might it take us in in the coming years ahead? What are the applications he's excited about? What are the transitions and trends in enhancing that technology that Nuance is working? Nuance, obviously, one of the sort of forerunners in that domain, one of the the largest players in sort of speech and image recognition software and artificial intelligence. Uh, Charlie's a pretty sharp fellow in this particular department. I was fortunate to get the chance to talk with him. I hope that you guys enjoy this episode. So uh, Charlie, I wanted to talk first about sort of what's driving some of these major trends in the developments of NLP. Nuance has been in this space uh, for longer than most, we could say, and now we're seeing a lot of companies get into this. Um, I know in robotics, cheaper sensors, mobile phones, is sort of driving better cameras, better microphones, and sort of pushing robotics forward. What are those sort of industry technology meta trends that are allowing speech and NLP to push forward as much as we're seeing today?
1: Yeah, I think in the same way that robotics uh, uh, became more, uh, there, there was more investment, more work in robotics because of things like form factor and uh, reduction in processor uh, uh, cost went down. Um, and so universities and so forth could um, uh, 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 purchase robots that they could do research on that didn't cost a fortune. In the same way, in a similar way, um, uh, the work that's being done in NLP and AI has been facilitated first by this reduction in form factor as well, so that you can actually talk to something as small as your cell phone which you couldn't do before okay. and it's also been enabled by uh, 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 the advances in speech understanding that Nuance has a major role in um, in breaking through in that technology so that now uh, it's taken for granted that you can understand uh, uh, the, the language the words through speech and so you can interact through speech and so because of that and because of the proliferation of uh, of systems like Siri, now it's taken for granted that um, that's possible to some extent. Now we what we were trying to do here is take it to the next step, the next generation of these personal assistants. But that was facilitated because of the form factor reductions and uh, uh, ubiquity of speech recognition, um, and that's led to to more uh, to newer work.
0: Yeah, and, and obviously you guys are a part of the development of that technology. Since I guess we could say before it was cool, um, you know, at, at least to the degree of, of popularity that it is today. Um, talk a little bit about Nuance's history and bringing the ball forward to where it is now. I know you guys have played a part in, and maybe you could list off some of the real sort of recognizable names in in uh, speech recognition. You guys are integrated with, or backbones of, or you know, uh, kind of help to facilitate. Um, How has Nuance sort of played that role in bringing things to to where they are now? You've been here for a while. Well, uh,
1: uh, my lab has been here about four years. Um, uh, We don't really work in our lab in speech recognition, so I'll just say a few things about that in the context of uh, some applications that drive some of the research. And uh, uh, one of those is in the uh, auto domain, the um, drive to or the push to uh, uh, introduce personal assistance into the car. So that's a natural domain for speech and language yes, yes. because of the need to reduce risk and uh, um, uh, ensure that, that a driver's cognitive load isn't uh, stretched to the point that you can't pay attention to the traffic and yep, so yep. forth. So you, uh, people wanna be able to have access to resources on the internet but you can't be uh, uh, clicking apps with your hands no way, yeah. uh, on a cell phone, and you can't be pointing to things, uh, except in a very limited way. So that means that speech is a natural medium for communication in that in that kind of domain. But what we need to do uh, to take that further is um, uh, think about how to model the tasks and solutions of the tasks that the drivers or users are um, uh, interested in. So this is not just the car, but I just give that as one one example. But uh, so uh, our systems have to become more proficient in being able to understand what the user wants done and not just in terms of an answer like, uh, uh, you know, what's the, what's the temperature outside, what's the weather. Uh, It's more that a user wants to do something. They want to reserve a table somewhere, let's say for dinner, or they want to uh, 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 find a store that sells something in particular. So those are tasks that you want to, a user wants done. And so you have to take the natural language processing in the front and carry it forth all the way through. Okay? That means uh, to the back end, as we call it, which is responsible for doing the reasoning about that task.
0: And, and so we're talking in some way about, I suppose, uh, you know, interpreting intent, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, and, and really more so than just, uh, you know, what was the year that Washington defeated the, you know, like, okay, that any any computer can ingest, you know, and spit back, but mm-hmm. but say, you know, where do I turn from here? Or hey, I, I need a, I need an iPhone cable, right. and just be able to know, you know, okay, well, closest place that has an iPhone, and just steer them. Um, how, how does that work get teased out? I imagine you have to go through a lot of the use cases, Charlie, and think through in the auto uh, capacity that we're talking about now um, in, in AI, um, you have to think through what are the common situations of intent, what are the common expressions that mean different kinds of intent under these circumstances, is it calibrated per user, is it calibrated across a lot of recorded you know, uh, car personal assistant conversations? How do we get closer and closer to that next step, like you said, which is, Uh, Understanding intent.
1: Yeah, so there there are a couple of thrusts in the work that we're doing that uh, is is driving that work. First, um, I should say that the focus is primarily on uh, conversation and dialogue, as opposed to one-shot utterances, as we call them. So, one-shot utterance would be, "What's the capital of France?" or, you know, "What's." who owns the Golden State Warriors? So that's a, a, a question you would get an answer and you would be done with it. If I'm using my search engine, uh, I ask a question, the next question doesn't have anything to do with it, right? So that's not a natural way to communicate with a human because a, a language um, has some very useful properties and it's very efficient. So you could say a lot, you can communicate a lot without saying much, and that's by virtue of being able to carry around this Context of a dialogue. So, you know, if I'm if I'm planning a trip and uh, I'm uh, trying to reserve some flights to a particular city uh, for some particular days, and then I switch to uh, 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 getting, trying to get a hotel reservation, I don't need to repeat where I'm hotel, where or what time, what yeah, day, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, etc. Uh, and that's a simple example and 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 even within the dialogue for the airline uh, uh we want to make recommendations based on what we've spoken about so far um so the user doesn't normally come to the table with everything worked down in his, his or head, head yep. right um if i'm looking for a restaurant in san francisco i don't if i know the exact restaurant i want then i just say is there a table at il Frenayo at 8 p.m Four people, but often I'm not sure where I want to eat. I might have some uh, 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 ideas, but I also don't know what's available and what I ultimately want might change d- depending on what what's available, okay? So there's a dialogue that needs to be supported to make this more natural. Now, in terms of domains, um, there's a big challenge here that we're uh, trying to address um, by making systems more uh, transportable to new domains by virtue of having lots of background, common sense knowledge. Uh, This is a big challenge in AI, which uh, is not something that's going to be solved tomorrow, but we're uh, uh, working toward incorporating more and more of this world knowledge so that systems uh, can be more easily um, engineered for particular domains. You know so uh, uh, this common sense background knowledge is, is, is information that you and I take for granted right so if I say I want to I want to uh, 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 reserve I want to find a restaurant for after work right well next week is after work right but I don't mean next week I mean between 5 and, and, and 9 right nine, yeah. I certainly don't mean at 2 in the morning right No. Um, um, uh, uh, but if I say, you know, I want to, uh, uh, get a job, uh, in, um, in computer science after I graduate, uh, that, that has a different connotation. Yes, yes, yes. And it certainly doesn't mean I want to do it the night after I graduate. Right. So those, those little nuances, right. <laughs> uh, uh, need to be attended Fun. to. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah. Uh, So you you can't, so we're trying to get away from these point solutions where you just have um, assistance or interfaces that work only in in one very narrow domain. And uh, that's, you know, a response to some of the frustration that's come about uh, by users in in using systems like Siri and others, that you have to know what you can ask, otherwise you're not going to get a response. Otherwise it's I like to think of it as like throwing darts, right? You know, let me ask this, oh sorry, doesn't know. Let me ask this, uh it kind of knows better, right? Until I get I get I narrow down um uh, what I want to the capabilities of the system. But that's not natural. Right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We so don't that, do that
1: with people. Right. We don't do that with people. So with people, what do we do? We uh, uh say, uh uh, you know, uh uh Sorry, I don't have any information on restaurants in the marina, if that's the, the choice, but I have information restaurants in Soma or something like that, right? Uh, or I don't have the baseball scores, but I don't have the baseball standings, but I have the baseball scores from last night. All right. That's better than saying no or sorry, I can't help you. Do you want me to do a Google search? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's just not satisfying. And it leads to people, you know, um, uh, turning people away.
0: Yep. Right. And, of course, the adoption of these technologies, I think, in many regards, will have to do with their utility and how often they're hitting the, the nail on the right. head. Like, I, I didn't talk to Siri until – I'm not one of those uh, – I probably should be because it's what I do for a living. But I'm not one of those people that just explores what the newest thing is to try it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm only going to use it if it adds utility to right. what I'm doing. Right. So only recently have I started actually talking to my phone. And even in that context, I've learned by the dart throwing method. So just mm-hmm. like you said, you know, I, I come to understand, like, oh, that's not going to work. But if it's like, you know, uh, what's the population of Denver, I can ask Siri that. She'll probably pull it up right away. But that's the one-off that you talked about. So talk about common sense knowledge. We'll touch on this, and then we'll talk a little bit about what you see as future applications of uh, sort of speech and and language recognition and understanding as well. But in terms of um, common knowledge, I know that there is a project, and the name is escaping me, where... There's a fella heading up a project aiming to sort of compile as much of the world's common sense knowledge as possible and put it into a system. I don't know if he's licensing that around to people. I imagine you're collecting your own set of of uh, common sense knowledge. Some of that maybe would be sort of if then scenario stuff, logic based. I imagine maybe a lot of that is also just teased out from tons of experiences where you have your failures of achieving the result and you have your successes, and then because there's there's almost too many. Uh, mm-hmm. Details uh, to to lay out in rules. How have you gone about approaching um, mm-hmm. common sense knowledge for machines? Yeah.
1: So uh, just uh, make one minor point here that what we're calling it is big knowledge, in a sense, to, to distinguish it from big data, because the focus is on uh, more general information. But as I said, it's a very challenging problem. The the uh, the uh, company you were I think thinking of is Psyche. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. That yes. that spent uh, you know ten. 15, 20 years, uh, trying to encode this. And uh, uh, what's clear is that, that, that it's you know, it still, ha- that, that project has not completed. Um, so so um, there are three basic ways you can do this. And uh, uh, we're taking a, a sort of a hybrid approach to, um, uh, to building these knowledge bases, these big knowledge bases. One way is, of course, doing it by hand, as PSYC is trying to do. Another is to do crowdsourcing where you have, uh, uh, systems that, uh, 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 everyday people can contribute to and say, you know, restaurants have menus, uh, they serve food, etc. Right. Um, and then you can learn, uh, uh as well, try to learn or extract uh, knowledge from, um, uh, documents, let's say, on the internet, for example, uh, or, or some other source. So what, we're, what we've done in our uh, approach is build first a framework where we can support these three forms of uh, knowledge acquisition and be able to do things like uh, de-conflict between one representation and another because uh, you're going to have cases where some of the information in one conflicts with another uh or the names aren't exactly the same but they mean they 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 refer to the same things but they don't use the exact same name for whatever reason um so we have that framework in place to do that and then we're making use of all three types of knowledge some of that we uh uh, extract from systems like psych uh from uh, uh uh systems that we've grown in our own lab here um uh uh, uh or from crowdsourcing systems, for example, and we're constantly ingesting information from these sources to augment this knowledge. Now, we're not claiming that we're going to have a, you know, in a couple years, the big knowledge uh, database of all common sense knowledge. But what we're trying to do is in the domains that we're of interest to the businesses, the nuances involved in, um, uh, we have uh, uh, a sufficient backbone of world knowledge that we can then make our systems more uh, robust, okay? Because they have that background knowledge, right? Yeah. You know, so, uh, 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 you know, the the sorts of examples I, I described about, you know, if I'm making a re- reservation, what does uh, after mean or um, uh, why do I, why am I asking about a menu for some restaurant, well, because we know all restaurants have menus, but if you go to Open Table, it's not going to have that information. You can't ask Open Table, do restaurants have menus, right? Right. It takes for um, uh, but but that's a question that would be natural to ask. And then if I ask, what's the traffic uh, like for Ilfrenaya? Well, I'm talking about what the traffic is to get here, there, right? Make, yeah, yeah. Because if it's far and it's rush hour, I'm talking about the traffic. So it needs to know that. Uh, I, there are ways to get there. Tra- driving is one of them, and if, if I'm asking about traffic, I'm worried about the traffic to get there. right? I'm not worried about uh, how, how often people walk around in the restaurant from table yeah, to table, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Which, is, which yep. you know, from a linguistic, from a language point of view, it's a perfectly reasonable yep. question, right?
0: But in, in uh, the context, it doesn't
1: make any, it doesn't make sense. any yep. sense.
0: So to, to touch on that then, so we're talking about building a, a base of uh, common sense knowledge, reference through different means to sort of tease out maybe where our contradictions are, where we might stumble, and be able to leverage that in multiple contexts. Not just ingest everything about driving and then put it in, not just ingest everything about restaurants, but be able to have something that can bridge those gaps. Like you said, traffic and booking a table mm-hmm. and whatever else you might need. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly that's where you know the, the Amazon echoes of the world want to be and the series of the world and, and everything else. I'm interested in your thoughts as a last question, Charlie, as to um, you're thinking a lot about the future of this technology, that's, that's your gig in AI here at Nuance. Um, in terms of where you see, um, you know, the possibility for transformative impact in that improvement of speech technology, the easy example would be, hey, I'll be able to tease a little bit more out of Siri, right? Right now, maybe I hit five out of ten, X number of years from now, I hit eight out of ten, that's not bad. You know, that'll be a, a serious uptick in Siri's uh, capacity. The other example you talked about is auto. There's situations where the hands are occupied and some other means of communication is going to be useful. Maybe there's a lot of those contextual circumstances that you're optimistic about. Where do you see, you know, uh, two to five years where this could really take off and have a grip where the world would say, you know what, man, that that language stuff really hit hard. It's here in the real world. Where do you see those exciting um, implementations into the real world in the next few years? Well, I I think in
1: in, uh, any case... The the main main, uh, advance is going to be conversational systems, dialogue-based systems, that uh, can engage with a user in a uh, multi-utterance interaction, Uh, uh, because that's the way you and I talk, and uh, we don't want to uh, try to teach people to talk in a different way. No way. So, uh, uh, being able to support a dialogue uh, it is one. It's going to be one major advance that we see, and we're focusing our efforts there. And the other is uh, imbuing systems with more and more of this uh, uh, world knowledge, common sense knowledge, and uh, that's going to make systems slowly but uh, uh, but hopefully surely uh, more um, uh, more robust. And uh, it is one of the big challenges in AI. It's going to take a lot of effort. So I should mention that something that you might be interested in, we're um, uh, sponsoring a competition that we just had two weeks ago at the International Joint Conference on AI. Um, uh, There's been an effort in the last few years to come up with better uh, measures of progress in AI. And uh, these are in, in the form of alternatives what's called the Turing. Yes, yes, of course, yeah. And uh, one of those that we're uh, supporting and has been uh, uh, promoted by the uh, AI research organizations is the Winograd Schema Challenge. And that's a multiple choice question that we can talk, you know, uh, further on. But in any case, it's meant to do two things, help measure progress in that very challenging area and get more of academia involved in uh, terms of professors and their students in pushing that forward. Um, And uh, so uh, Nuance is very active in uh, promoting that and um, in organizing it.
0: Got it. The Winograd uh, Schema Schema Challenge. Challenge. Cool. And and the folks who are tuned in can Google Winograd, just the way it sounds, Schema Challenge Turing Test. Most people are probably familiar if you're listening to this show, T-U-R-I-N-G, Turing Test. Um, you can look up that as well. So that's cool. So people can Google that, and that's something that you're currently supporting to, again, get academia to sort of get excited about an alternative way to sort of the old-school chatbot Turing test of how are we how are we getting better here? Right, precisely. And hopefully those will move things along, and I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that in two to five years, I'll hit eight out of 10 instead of five, and hopefully you'll be a part of that, Charlie. So thanks for sharing some of your insights here today, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. That wraps up today's episode here on the Tech Emergence Podcast, and thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to stay in touch with our latest interviews with C-level executives, top researchers, and thinkers in the domains of AI and the intersection of technology and intelligence, then make sure to subscribe here on iTunes, or visit us on our main website at techemergence.com, where you can see all of our interviews broken down by category, as well as articles, news, market research, and trends in artificial intelligence. If you found this episode particularly thought-provoking, feel free to leave your thoughts in a review here on iTunes, or you can feel free to reach out to us at our main website. Thanks as always for tuning in, and I'll catch you next week.